This is Coda Radio, episode 512 for April 3rd, 2023. Hey friend, welcome into Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and the business of software development and the world of technology. My name is Chris, and hanging on by a thread, it's our host, Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. Hello. Uh, I'm happy to announce my newest product. I call it Liquid Gold by Mike. Stealing that from the chat room. (laughs) We really do have to do the dollar value. Unlike one liter of my urine at this point is worth probably more than a liter of Coke, right? Yeah. I mean, if you factor in all the supplements, all the different types of teas, medications, uh, I don't know, echinacea alone, you got to figure you could capture that year and reprocess it and sell it on the market. And you could even call it recycled. It, it, I, I would say that would be eligible for a green subsidy from the federal government, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're totally being green. So what we're talking about is despite my rather expensive efforts to have my body resist the kid spring cold and flu season, I, of course, of course, the walls of Jericho fell within one day and uh i think i'm dying because kids cannot wash their goddamn hands and i was just saying uh on the stream you're like the uh fourth dad i know who uh has gotten sick via his kids in the last week or so it's the season oh here we come and it's coming out west (laughs) you you got like three (laughs) weeks enjoy and you know what you got to get better by june so that way um you might be eligible to uh be one of the few developers that get selected to fly out to Apple HQ for WWDC on June 5th. That's some fancy stuff. I mean, they're really, uh, I don't know, they're putting on a big deal about this, right? A lottery, select enterprise developers can come. Uh, Tim Cook is giving interviews to GQ talking about AR, why you should probably want AR, which seems a lot like telegraphing, but hey. Yeah, I wonder if this is actually going to be the event. It seems to be what everybody's speculating, but it feels like that's been the speculation for years now. And everybody just is out of ideas of what app. I think the press can't conceptualize of a world where no new hardware is announced at WWDC and they have no other ideas. So it's got to be headset. Although if Apple doesn't crap or get off the pot at some point with this thing. They better either just ship it or or can it, really. So, yeah, if you're an enterprise program member, like Mike mentioned, then you can uh, you can attempt to get into the lottery. But otherwise, you're either going to get handpicked by Apple or you're watching it remote. It's going to be uh, the keynote will be Monday, June 5th, 10 a.m. Pacific time. Do people I mean, this is where I might be just throwing some cold rotted bacon here. But do people want this headset? I don't think so. No, I think this is I think this is why it's been delayed is I think internally Apple knows that the market isn't really it it lives and dies on developers creating great applications for it. Don't you think? Well, which is why it should be out of W. I mean, what I'm expecting and this is me, I mean, this isn't even bacon, right? This is how they, you know, Google and Apple always do it is a stupid quote pioneer or dev edition that's like a lot of money, I don't know, 3, 5 grand something like that. And you have to, quote, be approved to buy it, right? They could do that. Yeah, I could see that. And the real thing comes out in like, I don't know, Q1 2024, right? Yeah. Knowing how much money Facebook plowed into this crap and how it basically failed and how you and I were trying to find ways to like, could we do a virtual conference, right? Could we, What could we do? And it just never was good enough, I felt. 
I mean, unless Apple really like has some sexy patent stuff that I don't know, maybe maybe they are going to change the game here. I just I don't, especially now with the economy basically you know doing a nosedive. Who's who's buying this? Is this a consumer product? Am I making games for this? Am I making enterprise software? It's a big ask for every if it's consumer for every one of your customers to have to have this incredibly expensive device. Mm -hmm. The only way I could even see Apple getting developers on board would be if they just paid people straight up, if they just sort of took an Apple Arcade approach and just straight up gave them money. So guaranteed the developers were going to make something that it's you got to figure too. although who knows. But wouldn't you think designing a UI for a fully immersive 3D application is a little bit more complicated potentially than a flat 2D application? Oh, yeah. I, 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 I'd be willing to bet that just the assets alone, right? The graphical assets that you need to either, you know, have the guy who can do Maya in your shop yourself or commission out are a fortune for anything like this. I just don't see it. I mean, we've run this experiment before, right? Google Glass, which... Uh, Hey, buddy, can you not look over at my urinal with that on? Thanks, bro. Also, uh, the HoloLens from Microsoft, that they pitched it as an enterprise play, right? And they were, to their credit, as micro and they always try, they really do, to handmaiden that for independent software vendors, also was just shot in the back of the head behind the bar. So I, I feel like, you know, the industry has been searching for the next thing, and God Damn it, it's finally bots. I was there years ago, you mother... <laughs> you know, you're right. It feels like a device like this is the kind of device for silly money territory, right? This is when money is just crazy and anybody's investing in anything. You come out with a $2,200 $2, headset that has three apps that are worth it. But in a world where money is constrained, finances are tight, a bot seems like a way better type of investment because... It doesn't require the consumer to buy anything to start interfacing with it today. So you can start creating applications that have zero cost for the consumer to adopt. If you just load a web page and you start interacting with a bot or launch an app or whatever it is, the application it's integrated into. But with this VR or AR initiative, whatever Apple's going to do with this headset, be it a more Quest-like device or be it a more uh, you know, Google Glass-like device, either way, it requires each person to use the applications to buy a very expensive piece of hardware. And I just can't see that working for the next few years. I could see what you're talking about where they do a, a version that's only for developers. Apple never talks about products ahead of time unless it's a brand new category for them. And when it's a brand new category, like in the case of the uh, first cheese grater Intel Mac Pro, in the case of the HomePod, and in the case of the Apple Watch, as some examples, they pre-announced, in some cases, like a year ahead of time, that device, because it was the first. So they weren't robbing sales from the current version that's on the market that they charge a ridiculous amount for. So we could see a situation where Apple pre-announces this thing and something doesn't ship to consumers for another year. And by then, maybe they're watching the market. They're getting a better sense of what the price sensitivity is and how the applications are developing. And so what we actually get here is really just the very first taste it's prototype hardware with lots of disclaimers about not final performance and all that kind of stuff. It would have to be, I mean, think about it, just the technology to have glasses that even have the battery life that would be acceptable. Yeah. Well, you heard the current prototypes have battery packs around your belt, right? And they got a wire running from the headset to a battery pack. Right. You know, so 
everybody, let's spot the Cylon. There he is. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. It, 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 I've always been super skeptical of this. Let's put... I mean, I got to give it to Google. Like, this was a bad idea. They killed it. They were right. Don't do it again. Quest, I think, came the closest, but they definitely pitched it hard as gaming. And like, yeah, fighting Darth Vader on the Quest was fun. I still... You know, there is still Beat Saber being played in my house. That's fine. <laughs> yep. But the dance thing, I forgot to put the name of it. But my, Kids love that stuff. I wouldn't pay, but I paid, what, two ninety nine for that or whatever it was. It, it wasn't, like, ridiculous. I can't imagine Apple selling anything. I mean, they won't sell you an iPhone for that unless it's, you know, three years old or something. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't buy it. I, and I... And, Again, I'm always saying to our young listeners, you got to go where, like, you got to take the long shots if you're going to start something. So you could be, I could be wrong, right? You could be like the young uh, guy or gal who opens the first AR dev shop and does awesome. I'm just super leery of the, basically the giant mountain you have to climb to ship anything reasonable in AR. Unless, you know what it could be, though, now that I think about it, because Apple sucks. It could be notification center, basically on your face. God, I'd hate that. That's like I turn notifications off, right? Like I, I'm trying to. You know what? I've this is we're we're doing tangents today because uh, uh, Nyquil is great. Uh, actually, Dayquil. I am now running my watch in movie theater mode all the time because I really don't need to know. Like I, I love everybody. I love the Element Room. I love Discord. It's all great. But like when I'm driving the car, I really don't need to know that like someone you know what i mean someone's running a new commander for our mtg brawl on thursday or you know me and chris have a slack channel where all we talk about is how wonderful and how passionately we want to make love to the eu but like you don't need to crash the car for that the eu is always there ready and willing right so i just turn everything off and then what i do is i period it's could we just go down this wild path this is wild Mm -hmm, go i used to treat email like it was instant message and like you emailed me, you got a response in like five minutes. I think it's becoming very common. I think that's becoming very common because I often take days to respond to email. And more often than not, I get an email within a day or so being like, hey, how come you haven't gotten back to me on this, man? Like, what's up? Yeah. No, I'm like Slack. I'll respond to usually within the same day. Um, and I'm because I, you know, I keep Slack open uh, for TMB. But I'm I got to tell you, like going back to the stricter Pomodoro technique, and just being like every hour or every hour and a half, I will open airmail and check my email and just prioritize and do like one pomo of responding to people. I've seen no negative repercussions to that. And my coding output and just general like stress level are far better. This is I for those who don't know, the Pomodoro technique is like you break up your work into it's 25 minute blocks uh, with a five minute break. So basically half hour blocks, five minutes like rest. Rest means like check your email, go to the bathroom. If it's 2018, make five martinis. If you're playing mono red, beat the shit out of somebody in Magic the Gathering brawl because all you need is two turns. <laughs> I am really glad to hear you trying this again because I completely agree. It's like you need these focused work sessions. Uh, I got in this morning and... All the different chat platforms, Slack, Telegram, Discord, Element, we're all popping and everybody has a lot of questions. And one of the disadvantages being on the West Coast is almost the rest of the entire United States of America is awake before me. And I'm three hours late to when they got up. And so I always start behind. I do, I do this to Chris a lot. 
every Monday morning, I've got like an, my essay for the show usually. <laughs> you know, it's really, it's like, I feel responsible to get back to some of these people because sometimes they have like a membership troubleshooting question they have or, you know, they have a question about a boost or something like that. Like I want to, there's like a, either a transactional reason or they're a longtime listener. Like I, so I feel like this obligation. And so the last two mornings, you know, I have woken up and the first thing I have dealt with, like, like before I've even gotten out of bed this morning is the same listener asking about something that they sent in recently. And they apparently are up at like, what is 5 a.m. my time? And that's when they're online sending me messages. And like today I picked up my phone and as I was getting out of bed, sitting on the end of my bed, the, his message comes up and I just tapped it, not even thinking. And, you know, now I'm in a 15 minute conversation doing tech support before I've even put my clothes on. Since I switched to Android, it has completely gone off the rails. And I my stress level is so much higher. And I am hurtling towards burnout at a million miles per hour because I didn't realize it. But the focus modes that Apple created a couple of releases ago actually solved this problem for me. The phone and iOS just automatically doesn't display that stuff for me until 8 or 9 a.m. I can't remember what it is. Yep. So I just don't see it. And the issue is, is once I see it, I can't stop thinking about it. So I just have to address it. I just have to take care of it. Well, for, for me, it was always, first of all, you switched it back to Android? Yeah, I've been trying Graphene OS for a few months. and uh, Okay, that's right. That's right. We talked. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. And that's the, the, you know, it's funny because Android used to be the way better platform for notifications. It used to have the custom pro. I remember on my HTC, whatever it was, you used to have the custom profiles. But then you had to manually. Yeah, that doesn't matter. But yeah, so. Do you fall into this trap as well? I'm always like, all right, I'm just going to like call this one dude back or I'm going to like reply to this one email. And then all of a sudden you're on a text message calling email bender for like three and a half hours. Yeah, for hours. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is that's uh, that's almost every Monday morning for me, actually. Mondays are the worst for sure. Monday morning and Friday afternoon. Horrible. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Try the Pomo thing. It it, it It's silly. And at times it feels like, oh, why do I have to block things out like this? Well, I was going to say that's I kind of did that this morning. I shut off all my stuff, put everything on D&D. &D, and, you know, the problem with D&D &D is it's a little too, too like hammer mode because I still want to be able to hear from my kids and the wife because there's things that are just going on in the mornings that sometimes they need to get a hold of me. So it's a little bit, it's a little risky, but. Yeah, there's always the risk that like the school calls you because your kid threw up or something crazy like that. You have to. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's the thing. So. So shake it all off, everybody. Meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. We have two meetups cooking right now. Saturday, April 8th, coming up real soon in Raleigh, North Carolina. They're going to do a pizza party. Brent is down there with Alex. He's in town just on his way back from Berlin. And uh, they're throwing together yeah. a little. Yeah. It's going to be at 3 p.m. Eastern. The meetup pages are all in Pacific time because we're in the Seattle area. But so that's going to be April 8th in Raleigh. Got a great crew down there. On then April 29th, there's going to be a Olympia, Washington Linux spring meetup. A little Pacific Northwest get together. We haven't dialed in the venue yet, so uh, taking suggestions in the Matrix chat room, the Pacific Northwest Matrix chat room. But April 29th, 2023 in Olympia. Two meetups coming up. Meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. They're going to be good. Low key. Just a nice way to relax. Shake all this stuff off. But um, what do you say we get to an email? Before we uh, get too far, Nate wrote in and he has a different way of viewing uh, these uh, AI co-pilots, as Microsoft puts it. He says, uh, you know, the talk about Microsoft's framing of generative AI as a co-pilot or assistant that doesn't 
that doesn't need to be perfect. That's interesting. But I think maybe a more accurate version, or maybe more humorous, is that generative AI is child labor without the major ethical issues. Like a child, it can be helpful to complete tasks, but it needs a lot of guidance and checking. It's not an adult who can be given a somewhat ambiguous task and send it off to do it. That's cute. I can't get my son to like reliably brush his teeth. I'm not sure I want child labor. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, it's definitely got more uh, context and search and it knows about a lot more things than a child does. Uh, yeah, but it's almost there. It's kind of it kind of is a bit like working with a kid. The part where you need to stay with it, give it a lot of guidance and check its work is true. <laughs> I got an answer last night from the Bing bot um, that uh, was wild. It said uh, that something took place in the year 20,038, something like 2038 or something like that. Uh, and in the article, the article clearly said something like 2022. But the Bing bot said 2038. And then when I asked for its source, it gave me the article that said 2022. It was just making up 2038 out of nowhere. I don't know where it got that. <laughs> so you always do have to watch them. Let's try bit. this. I'm asking ChatGPT4, tell me about Coder Radio and Jupiter Broadcasting and its hosts. Okay. Uh-oh. Return. Okay. So we hit return. Coda Radio is a podcast on Jupiter Broadcasting Network that dis- discusses topics, goddamn you type fast, related to software development, programming technology, and business. Holy that got it. The show aims to provide information. Chris Fisher and Mike Dominic, as of my last knowledge, update in September, the show was hosted. It, then it's doing your bio that you founded Jupiter Broadcasting. Huh. And it's doing my bio. Wow, it found Mad Botter. Okay, yeah, you win. You got it, huh? <laughs> yeah, I think it might be a little bit smarter than a kid. Uh, this is a very long multi-paragraph essay. It even found TechSnap. Wow. Yeah. Man, you put this thing into a, like a, a, an autonomous dog body, a friendly little looking dog, and you got yourself a product. Or we put it into an, a nice gold or silver case. And uh, I don't know, any one of us could be ChatGPT. How do we know we're not ChatGPT, actually? How do you guys know? We won't. We don't, because if we were going to be a good ChatGPT interface... We're operating under the hallucination or assumption that we are actually these people so that way we can produce the most reliable, realistic results. It is very Battlestar, the reboot, right? Like we're not we we're like uh, spoilers, I guess, if you didn't are still living in the 90s. Um, we're like, I, I don't know her name, but we're like the Asian girl who doesn't realize she's a freaking Cylon the whole time or the drunk who doesn't realize he's a Cylon or let's be honest. Is that Boomer? That's Boomer. Yeah, Boomer. That's her name. Uh, oh, or uh, uh, Starbuck, also Cylon. Right, all silence. The entire resistance crew. Man, effing spoilers, man. Linode.com slash coder. Go there to get $100 in 60-day credit on a new account, and it's a great way to support the show. Why, you are checking out the developer's cloud. Fast, reliable, and the best support in the business. Try it for your next project. It's what JB uses for everything we've built in the last three years. It's what I use personally. I started it on a lark to try something new, and I fell in love. And wouldn't you know it, right as we're going independent, I picked up the phone, I called up Linode, and I said, hey, I think we might have something special here. And boy, was it. And you guys have loved it. That's why Linode has stuck around. And when new, when new listeners try it, they fall in love too, especially with all the nice upgrades Linode's been doing over the last couple of years. And then this year, they're just investing massively in their infrastructure. By the end of 2023, they're going to have another dozen new data centers come online. They are their own ISP. NVMe disks are available in the systems. They have nanodes that are incredibly reasonably priced, and they can do super complex high-end systems like the 96-core rig that we use to run our matrix server. And 
you guys know I'm a performance hound. It has to perform well. And so I can attest your applications will rock on Linode. They've got the right price performance ratio for you. And the support can help walk you through your different options if you're not quite sure which one's right for you because Linode scales to your experience. If you've never stood up a server before or you've been doing it for 20 years, you're going to find Linode approachable, usable, and understandable. An API with plenty of libraries that are ready to go for your favorite language. They've got a command line tool that I think is choice and a beautiful web UI. You could just do everything through there if that's what you like. They'd been doing this for nearly 19 years. So they figured out how to do it right. So go find something near you or your clients and go deploy and just see how great it is. Try it for yourself. It's really great. You'll see why we like it. And I think you'll be impressed with a combination of extra features like their S3 compatible object storage, cloud firewalls that prevents the traffic from ever reaching your rig, VLAN support, a powerful DNS manager that really cooks, and then a bunch of other features that honestly, I think you just go try it. You get the hundred bucks. I think you should just go try it. It really does just, what do they say? It uh, whips the llamas behind. Is that what the saying was? Something like that. Go try it for yourself. It's real and it's fabulous. Linode.com slash coder. Get the hundred bucks and support the show at Linode.com slash coder. Well, speaking of the chat GPT, it's banned in Italy. The country's data protection authorities, because they have a data protection authority, the country's data protection authority said the AI service would be blocked and investigated over privacy concerns and the possibility that children can access it. Bring her out. Where is she? You know what? You know, I know who you're talking about. I know who you're talking about. The EU. They're like the guy who goes to the party and is like, uh, are we over occupancy? I, I just, just to be safe, I called the fire marshal. What? Stop. Well, if you create a data protection agency, what are they going to do? They're going to not try to stop stuff like this. Of course, that's what they're going to do. That's they need something to do. <laughs> but only in the EU would they be like data protection agency that now needs to find work. You know, is Facebook banned in Italy yet? No, I'm just saying I this is innovation and yeah there's going to be mistakes and i am sure that chat gpt right now after answering our question is literally making a copycat podcast to compete with us that's fine i welcome our synthetic overlords but what i and i welcome pizza i'm italian by heritage and i just something happened in the eu where i love you guys but you don't need to regulate everything like here we need to we should regulate something and we choose not to because we're crazy there they're like i'm sorry your shoelaces are the wrong length this is stupid well it's not just them though right i mean uh yes the banning thing that is is just them right now but uh it feels like this some new technologies generate hysterics and now we are in a period of hysterics around this technology right because you got you got elon and a thousand others that signed this paper, which, by the way, to sign it, you just went to their website and signed it like a regular old Internet petition. But anyways, they signed this paper. I wonder I wonder if there's a language named after a snake that I could write a small script in that would like pound that website. Have lots of signatures. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. But Elon uh, and others say, let's ban it for 30 days. Hit the pause button for 30 days. Uh, they write in there that recent months have seen AI labs. Uh, locked in an out-of-control race to develop and deploy ever more powerful digital minds that no one, not even their creators, can understand, predict, or reliably control. 
I, I just want to say Elon Musk criticizing anyone or any entity whatsoever for being out of control. Have you read the man's 2 a.m. tweets? When, when Grimes is like, E, go to bed. Yeah. Oh, he, he's the one who wrote the summoning the demon. He's been panicking about AI for years. Yeah, he's, I don't know. You know what? You can't stop the tide. This is the future. And I again, I will gladly give up my flesh for the Matrix here. I think we just need to, that's a deep cut on the Animatrix, the weird prequel DVD that came out in like 20 Right. Yeah, see? Oh, yeah. So Elon sitting in Naples is not going to be able to stop this. So quit your bitching and get on the train. Now, you can regulate it. That might be a good idea, right? But saying, like all this does in the, in the case of Italy is screw over Italian entrepreneurs who now either have to leave their country <laughs> to work on this stuff which in the EU is much easier than it is here, right? Or not take advantage of what is probably one of the biggest opportunities in technology in the last 15 years. That seems, I mean, it was mobile, now it's going to be this. That seems crazy. And they're going to make it happen regardless. Um, and I think you're right. It's going to, and, and in the case of like Elon and his thousand friends that have signed this letter, I think if anything, it's going to just cause some of this development to go a little more underground to become a little more secretive. So that way companies can shield themselves until they can reveal some massive fantastical product. And so we'll have less transparency and we'll have less open source AI options as a result of this. I would love for there to be such a thing where some well-known people could say, let's pause an entire industry for 30 days. And then it just happens without setting what the goals are, what needs to be accomplished, and what is the resuming qualifiers. And I also then later in an interview, when some of these well-known people that were signatories on this were interviewed, they said, well, do you really think the funding's going to stop? Because these deals have been in progress for years in some cases, months in other cases. Do you think the funding will stop? No, no, we expect the, the money and the financial transactions and the fundies will con continue during the 30 days. Oh, Chris, you can't you can never stop the flow of beautiful, beautiful capital. I mean, what are you crazy. No, they don't want to stop the flow of money. They just want yeah. to stop the development of anything more powerful than GPT-4. Well, what what is, quote unquote, more, po more powerful? What is that? Is that a, is that a certain capability? Well, that isn't even defined in this 30-day pause. Uh, no, I still love Microsoft's because it's it is being psychotic more powerful than GPT-4. I don't know. I thought Sydney was great. I mean, let's tell New York Times journalists to divorce their spouses. I think that's honestly hilarious. Bring, bring Tay back. I, I, I know she's not as sophisticated, <laughs> but you know what? I love Tay. Tay was fun. Like, why can't we have fun? EU, why can't we have fun? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it's good marketing, too. You know, here's what I think is I think we have hysterics as a result of hype um, because these things, while becoming more and more useful tools and likely will develop quickly, are no way at any point going to be breaking out of their software confines and going off on the Internet and creating Skynet. It's fantastical and egotistical to think that we are there yet, to think that we are so smart and that our scientists are so clever and that the software developers were so brilliant that they've created something so powerful that we couldn't just turn the power off. It's a ridiculous hysterics from the hype that I think OpenAI leaned into. I think OpenAI, from the way this thing types out on the screen to having it pass the bar exam, they have been so clever in how they market this thing to the way their CEO very earnestly, consistently talks about safety all the time. It has been so well manicured that they were over successful and they have created hysteric. The hype 
has now transitioned to hysterics, and now I'm annoyed. It almost doesn't matter, though, right? ChatGPT is not going to stop. These investors, these entrepreneurs, these big companies are going to plow forward. And ultimately, first of all, I, I, Elon Musk, is pr- he won. He did fund OpenAI for a while, so there's that. You don't think, given the opportunity, he would buy up or found some sort of AI startup? They're not working on that at Tesla? Give me a break, right? I mean, I'm sure Tesla's cooking that up. Right. I mean, it, the, the, you're right. The level of egotism and arrogance here, because remember, last week we talked about how idiotic it is for Ford to have the self-repoing car. That probably is going to mess up, but we can't get that right. Yet at the same time, we think we're going to invent like Cylons and Skynet. Yeah, I know. You can't have both, right? If your forward focus can't properly repo itself, <laughs> then you're probably not in danger of, you know, the Cylon invasion. Just saying. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh... <laughs> so last night, I started to ask Siri to turn off or something like that or turn on. I can't remember. And then I, I stopped mid-sentence and I was like, actually, I don't want to do this. And so instead... It power cycled every smart device connected to Siri. <laughs> Everything got turned off and then back on, just off on. <laughs> the TV went off like. <laughs> yes, if so the robots dumb. have gun, they're guns, they're going to shoot themselves in the foot is the most likely answer here. It's just speaking of your buddy, Elon, though, uh, he has come through on his promise that he made even before he purchased Twitter to open source the recommendation algorithm or, quote, the algorithm, as they call it. And uh, it's. According to Twitter's blog post, a recommendation pipeline made up of three main stages. It gathers the best tweets from different recommended sources. It ranks those in a machine learning model. It filters out tweets from those you've blocked, tweets you've already seen, or tweets that are not safe for work before putting them in your timeline. He says this, Elon, in his tweet says, this is, quote, most of the recommendation algorithm and that more would be released in the future. And then he went on to say it's, quote, overly complex and not fully understood internally and that people will, quote, discover many silly things. But he's promised to fix issues as they're discovered, saying, quote, providing code transparency will be incredibly embarrassing at first, but it should lead to rapid improvement in recommendation quality. People dug through it, of course, and discovered that the algorithm code includes is Democrat, is Republican and is Elon for how it decides what to recommend. I'd be interested in your take. I don't think this is as big a deal as like my favorite website, The Verge, is making it out to be. I think this is, you know, Twitter had lots of problems. They scaffolded stuff on other stuff. And yeah, I don't know. That's just how things evolve. Well, no, I think I think the story here is, A, Twitter isn't on fire. It's not down right now. It seems to be running with something like 60% less staff. And he came through on making the uh, recommendation algorithm open source. Um, I don't know if this is going to be mined for figuring out ways to spam Twitter. I don't know if other competitors will use this or if it will result. I hope it does result in community contributions to make the algorithm work better. Uh, It clearly doesn't work well. It's a piece of crap. I constantly am seeing tweets that I've already read, so it's obviously not working. But I think overall it tells the bigger story. What did I say six months ago? People wouldn't be talking about Elon as much. He wouldn't be the daily story on Twitter. Twitter would be running just fine. And all of the talk of Twitter exodus would have pretty much faded. And whoever's left would have left. And people, some people would trickle back. That is 100% what has happened here. And then to put a little button on top of it, they release the algorithm open source. I'm not giving the, I'm not saying, you know, good job necessarily. I'm just saying 
this is an example now where we can look back and say, okay, we were clearly in a hysterics phase there for a bit, just like we are right now with the AI crap. And now, six months looking back, it's pretty obvious to go, wow, people were really proclaiming that Twitter was going to burn to the ground. People were proclaiming that it would crash, it would be hacked. Sure, it's not been great. Sure, they've had some issues, just like I said they would. Some more things broke than they should have. Six months later, Elon isn't the main story. Twitter's online just fine. The algorithm's open source. Things seem to be settling down. Oh, not, not to pat us on the back too much, but the main story, if there even is one, because it's been beaten to death, is Twitter is a really shitty business that definitely wasn't worth $42 billion. And again, just like I said months ago, where are you going to make up that money, buddy? He never is. I mean, I mean, well, I shouldn't say that, but it is not looking good right now. <laughs> it is not looking good. Yeah, it's not looking great. I mean, maybe he can go public <laughs> again when the market heats up, when that money printer goes burr again. But yeah, geez, you know, if he maybe hadn't spent billions on open AI and he hadn't spent billions on Twitter, I'm just saying, I mean, the guy's rich enough, but some really bad decisions. Yeah, he's fine. He's he's literally bathing in a crystal right now. He's he's OK. Tailscale.com slash coder. Go there to get it for free for up to 20 devices. And it's a great way to support the show. Tailscale is such a great idea. It's what we'd hoped we'd see when we saw WireGuard, the very first lines of code, get submitted to the Linux kernel. Tailscale is the ultimate evolution of the industry's best VPN technology. It is a zero-config VPN. You can get it up and running on your devices in minutes. It'll easily manage your networking stuffs, like, you know, firewalls, double NATs, carrier-grade NAT, all of that. And it's built on top of WireGuard. The devices... Your devices, your own beautiful devices, connect directly to each other using WireGuard's noise protocol. You get a mesh flat network. Every device gets a static address on your tailnet where it lives, and you can communicate to all of them with other tailscale devices or a tailscale subnet router if it's a device that you can't install tailscale on directly. An example of this, actually, is my home internet router. It's a real specialized beast because of all my different LTE connections. But using the tailscale subnet router, I got onto my home network and was able to reconfigure my router through Tailscale, even though I don't have Tailscale directly on that machine. When you're separated by firewalls or subnets, Tailscale just works. It'll easily create that mesh network between you and your machines, and then the data sends directly between them over your Tailnet. And Tailscale is rolling out Funnel now in beta. Now, Tailscale Funnel is a new feature they've been working on that lets you share like a web server on your private Tailnet with the public internet. Guys, think about this from like a testing perspective. You're working on something, you're developing internally on your tailnet, you can get to it from all your machines, your mobile devices, everything, but now you want somebody outside your tailnet to try this. There's lots of ways Tailscale makes this doable with other Tailscale users, but what if you want somebody on the public internet, like a client, a customer to try it? Well, that's where funnels come in. It's a powerful idea, and you can use a funnel to ingress into Tailscale webhooks. And where it gets really powerful is there's tooling you can use with this to call on webhooks and open things and close things. It's a glorious thing. They have Tailscale Send, which is a lot like AirDrop for all your devices that are on Tailscale, all your devices, including your Linux desktops and your Android devices. They have Tailscale SSH, which helps you establish SSH connections between your Tailscale devices authorized by Tailscale Access Controls, which have auditing capabilities and really just getting more powerful all the time. Boy, Tailscale is a game changer. No more inbound firewall ports for me. And all my machines now exist on a flat mesh network that's mine. 
It's private, but I love it. Try it out today and support the show and get it for free for up to 20 devices when you go to tailscale.com slash coder. It's simple. It's tailscale.com slash coder. Well, the rest of the internet has learned about the Restrict Act that we talked about three weeks on the show. And now, taking it outside the developer context, because we really focused on the developer context of the Restrict Act, now, expanding beyond that, the internet is calling it the Patriot Act on steroids, or others are calling it the Patriot Act for the internet. And people are reading through the details of the bill. I'm sure they got the link from our show notes. And... They're not happy with what they see, Mike. They're not happy at all. Hang on. Hans, what's that? Papers. Papers, please. Are you publishing an app or a website? Where are your papers? So this is the TikTok bill. Yeah, this is the same This one. is the TikTok bill that everybody has been talking about, but it's really called the Restrict Act. And you want to know the ironic thing? TikTok isn't even mentioned anywhere in the bill. Of course not, because it was never really about TikTok, right? Nope. Yeah, it's really just about persons. It's a, The term person means a natural person, including a citizen or a national of the United States or any foreign country. So that's a person. And it gives the federal agencies broad powers to conduct investigations, inspect, search, detain, seize, and impose temporary denial orders and prevent transactions uh, that they believe are suspect. And there's all kinds of uh, rules, including like just using a VPN from a country that's on the list is considered a violation of the act. And, uh, the fee for that would be a $250,000 fine uh, or jail time. Also, if you look at Section 10, the enforcement, there is a no mention of like search warrants or, you know, subpoenas here. Uh, my favorite one is uh, the last two bullet points. Language includes, this is the, quoting Congress, inspect, search, detain, seize, or impose temporary denial orders of any item, presumably electronic, digital, media, writings, etc. Presumably is doing a lot of work there because it doesn't mean only. It's like, that's what we think, but, you know, they're going to use this just like they use the original Patriot Act. <laughs> oh, yeah. My favorite one, and this is this is the gift to the IRS right here, the last one, because I, I actually think this is all about, like, tax enforcement. Require, inspect, and obtain books, records, and any other information from any person. No warrant, no subpoena. They can just say, you have violated this act. We want to see all your books. We want, quote, records. That means any records so there's no like self you know there are no no real uh uh self-incrimination protection there my the other thing the penalties my favorite unconstitutional thing civil forfeiture they just take your yep 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 java's pointing at java jack's point out doesn't the patriot act cover some of this yeah some of it it really does uh here's a little bit from the bill's text in fact i think the first sentence in the bill is is pretty scary this is the first sentence of the bill to authorize the Secretary of Commerce to review and prohibit certain transactions between persons in the United States and foreign adversaries and for other purposes. Whenever you see for other purposes in a bill, that means anything they want. That's what that means. Here's another here's another good uh, little block of text from the bill. Quote, the secretary, this is they're referring to the Secretary of Commerce, the secretary in consultation with relevant executive department, that is the White House and agency heads is authorized to and shall take action to identify, deter, disrupt, prevent, prohibit, investigate or otherwise mitigate, including by negotiating, entering into or imposing and enforcing any mitigation measure measure to address any risk arising from any 
covered transaction by any person or with respect to any property subject to the jurisdiction of the United States that the secretary determines poses undue or unacceptable risk. Not even not even a crime, not even a crime. Just a risk. Risk. How about actions taken under the section, quote, shall not be subject to administrative review or judicial review in any federal court? That's a good one. Mm. Yeah. And amongst this, which we talked about three weeks ago as well, is it gives them the power to reject any app from the app stores or any app, any particular app update. So say a developer wanted to patch an encryption flaw. This is a lot more power than that, right? They could say, um, I mean, any danger or risk. Uh, what if you tweet something? Oh, it's also retroactive. So you and I might be in trouble. Uh, what if you say something that this is too much power? Yeah. Oh, oh, well, yeah. Don't 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 slide right over that. That is that is an important thing. They uh, these rules can be applied retroactively, meaning things you've done online in the past are also subject to this law. So stuff you've done in the past, like if they can find record of it, they can get you without having to go through a warrant process or a judge at all. And there's no court. It's so it's so great. It's so great. I also should say I read the civil penalties, but there's also a criminal penalty list that's quite interesting. Uh, criminal forfeiture, which is civil forfeiture, but it's Big Brother. Fines up to a million bucks and imprisonment, not a long sentence, 20 years. Yeah, 20 years, man. 20 years. This seems like a shit ton of power for the Commerce Secretary. And of course, the Commerce Secretary isn't an elected position. It is a political position assigned by the White House, which means they are subject to political pressure from the White House. And uh, the so the line that has to be met, I believe, to like kick this whole thing off to make, make you a target is you have to be using technology that they can claim is connected to a foreign adversary. So that could be blockchain technology. That could be peer-to-peer technology pretty easily. But ExpressVPN has uh, put up a post on their website saying that when you actually break this down, it's really easy for them to make that connection. And that's actually been an area that Snowden exposed that was heavily abused is they can really spy on just about anybody within a few like Kevin Bacon connections. And uh, the bill would allow them to essentially come up with reasons to monitor the U.S. citizens, even if they weren't necessarily connected to a foreign adversary. Like maybe if maybe a foreign adversary government it's like, for example, Russia right now, somebody from Russia contributing code to an open source project, you're using that open source project. Maybe that qualifies. What if somebody I mean, there are so many ways. Yeah, this this is yeah, uh, yeah. this is bad. Crazy. And, you know, the good news, bipartisan support, too. So it's the only thing they can agree on. Yeah. Isn't that funny how that works? We'll have links in the in the notes uh, if you guys want to read up about it. It's getting more traction now. I think my lesson is I should have gone harder in it. I kept it kind of on a developer focus for the purposes of the show. But this is important enough that I probably should have zoomed out and talked about the this more as like was what, what it seems to have worked is when the when the outlets started saying this is a lot like a Patriot Act on steroids. And then that really started to resonate with people where I was like, hey, we're going to give an unelected official control over our app stores and any other transactions for any purpose they see fit. We should probably not do that. It just doesn't resonate as well. I should have gone harder and I should have tried to keep it a developer focus for this particular thing, because we talked about this three weeks ago and that is three weeks we lost. And now there's another version of this floating around the, the, the halls of Congress. I don't know. I feel like I kind of blew it because people are just now figuring it out this last couple of days. It doesn't require a active act of commission here. So another horrific quote from the act. Are you ready? Yeah. 
no person may cause, aid, abet, counsel, command, induce, procure, or permit or approve any act prohibited by or – this is where it gets crazy – the omission of any required regulation. So if you simply fail or don't know that there's some regulation and you just don't do anything to like enforce that regulation yourself, you are guilty under this act. And this whole thing is being done under the guise of TikTok. And n- none of this bill is about TikTok. But that's how they're selling it to the public because we got to ban TikTok. They're playing us for fools. Also, what what is uh, subversion of communication technologies? Is that writing a bot that like tweets, uh, you know, memes against one political party? Is it using encryption? Well, think about it. You could arrest everybody now, right? So everybody who posted a Pepe the Frog and everybody who posted a, you know, Donald Trump's a doofus meme. Liberals and conservatives are are screwed. Like this, this is not a conservative or a liberal thing. This is a straight up control thing. And what is subversive is a meme about Hillary Clinton's pantsuits. Is that subversion or is that, you know, that that's okay? I think what they're going to do is much like the popular tech media has done. They're just going to say certain things are bad. So in the examples I gave, the Donald Trump memes will not be subversion. But Pepe LaFrog will. And I'm not defending that because I know, I know people do that horrible shit with that. But it's what about the First Amendment? Is is that subversion? What if you're Kanye West and you go bat? Are, are you now going to go to prison? I mean, the whole the whole point of the First Amendment is you can be as much of a jerk or as much of a lunatic as you want. You say what you will. And even even if you just got the fine, if you didn't get the mandatory prison time, but you just got the mandatory fine, you mean the two hundred fifty thousand dollars. It would it would wreck it would wreck most average people, so it's just it's way too over the top in the in the vein of trying to protect us from Chinese influence, which is just it's just absolutely wild. China and I think, has something like this. You can't post things about Winnie the Pooh because it insults Xi Jinping, right? <laughs> it feels like they look over China and go, "Oh man, that's such a great idea. Let's do that here." <laughs> like, I forgot what congressman it was, but they're like, "Why can't we do that?" Like they're like, "What the hell?" Like the Constitution. No, not anymore. I know. It's like people, some people, especially those in power, fetishize some of the dramatic things they do over there. It, and I, I I hope that this has now gotten enough attention that the Congress critters back off from it because it's just becoming too toxic. People got to keep the heat up, I think. They're, they're not going to back off. This is – if they're getting expert opinions from the, the – uh, oh, my God, I'm going to say mainstream tech media. I'm turning into freaking uh, – uh, Bill O'Reilly over here. Well, you know, your gal Kira probably is going to support this. She loves this. She just said she loves this. Yeah. And and she would be right there with like, yeah, get the problem is it's not always going to be even if you're of of that persuasion of that kind of more progressive persuasion. Right. It won't always be your team. It won't always be your team. Letting it be kind of the horrific Wild West that it is while annoying and creates problems, is much safer than every, let's say, four years having a new sheriff in town who basically cracks down on the other side. That's uh, how empires die. And, you know, I think what it tells me is that the future is decentralized. When we think about what's the next wave going to be, I have to think it's going to be around decentralization because all centralized services are going to fall victim to things like the Restrict Act all around the world. Because even if somehow we get lucky and this gets torpedoed in the U.S., 
other countries already have or will pass this kind of stuff. And as long as like your chat service or whatever it is you're using is centrally controlled, especially by a U.S. corporation, it is always going to have these vulnerabilities. And I think the revolution will be decentralized and the next wave, the next boom is going to be in decentralized technologies. And then they're going to outlaw end-to-end encryption and that's not going to matter. Yep, I think you're probably right. I think you're probably right. Let's do some boosts. Talking about decentralized systems. Ask not what your podcast can boost for you, but what you can boost for your podcast. Little JTH comes in with 32,931 sats, boosting with the rest of my sats from Linux Unplugged. Appreciate the network and the shows, which definitely challenges my views at times. Also, this is the zip code. Oh, he's worried about a fee, but nope, we got it. He sees uh, the zip code works out to Rival River Falls. I can talk, I promise. River Falls, Minneapolis. River Falls sounds beautiful, right? I picture a waterfall, a river, maybe fishing. I picture like camping, like yeah, one of those little green grills and fishing with the kids. That's it. We should go. (laughs) Yeah. DBG comes in. DPG comes in with 9,051 sats. Uh, My zip code, 15090, boosting in. Uh, and wants to know when there's going to be a Pittsburgh coders meetup. Hey, Pennsylvania. So yeah, Wexford, Pittsburgh. I would totes go to that. Yeah. Okay, family over there. What are you known for up there, DPG? What are you known for? What's your town known for? What's what's like the uh, local food? If I come there, what do I got to eat? I got to know these things because I'm getting hungry. Mirror Mortals podcast comes in once again. 4,170 sats. We don't have zip codes here. So you'll have to make do with my postcode. Good luck. If you have any Icelandic listeners, they can boost in, but it'll be way under the limit. Ah, so you got uh, small postcode numbers up there. Interesting. Iceland, huh? That's fantasy stuff for me. That's where we need to host our servers. You're right. You're right. That's where Zuck hosts some servers. I'm sure he does. Zuck's got some servers there. Yeah. Yeah. Helps with the cooling. It's easy. Chad Flenderman boosts in with 5,000 sats. Oh, my God, you guys. I was listening to your last episode. And you were, we were talking about Copilot. And today I started a free trial of GitHub Copilot. You know what? It is seriously useful. I was skeptical it could help with my C++ coding. However, it not only provides some awesome code snippet suggestions, but it's also giving me useful code comments. Here's a little value for a way of appreciation. Well, thank you, Chad. Thank you, Chad. Glad it's working for you. Sir Lurksalot comes in with 13,070 sats. I fell off regular TV watching around 2000. Deep Space Nine was the last show I was hooked on. Nice. But all your Trek talk got me interested in the new series. I've been watching Strange New Worlds with my housemates after supper. Ooh, all right. There are only a few episodes in, but I love it. It really calls back to the original series in a lot of ways. I love the dramatic fight music that was straight out of the original series. What a great way to get back into Trek. I'm a gentleman, of course, so it was all done via self-hosted Jellyfin on the Roku. I love the technical content, all the business and macroeconomic content, and all the fun side stuff like the Trek forays. Uh, it's a dynamic between you two. Oh, stop, Lurk, stop. Oh, uh, I'm o- I'm an older man than both of you, so I say with all sincerity to both of you, may you live long and prosper. Now go stack some sats. Kapla. He also wants to know if he could talk you into setting up an Albi wallet, getalbi.com, so we could put you in the splits so you can get some of these sats. They're so satisfying, he says. <laughs> I agree. Okay. I don't know what that is, but I, I will figure that out. That's not. GetAlby.com, what you do. So you, when you go to GetAlby, you set up an account, and then like at some point in the setup process, it's going to give you, like it's going to ask you if you need a podcast uh, value code block. And then you get that. It's like a prompt, I think, or somewhere in the settings. And then you send that to me on Slack. Boom. And then when people boost in, you get a split. 
of the sats. And then you just stack them in that little wallet. And then, you know, you do nothing with them or you do something with them. I don't know. I'm not your daddy. I buy Icelandic servers. There you go. Yeah, rent some servers. Uh, Ahinka boosts in with a thousand sats. TiddlyWiki is great for devs that want to use a self-hosted note app. That is a great tip. TiddlyWiki is fantastic. Open source accountant comes in with 1,500 sats. Late to the pod, but please, more gaming cast. Yeah, still have that. The people want more gamer radio. Go to, uh, I think it's like, just Google Gamer Radio. It comes out. Yeah. We have one that I think is being edited now, but because, uh, yeah, editing sucks, man. We love Drew. I miss my Drew on that one. Oh, tell me about it. It sucks. But it is coming out. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, when you're sick, you got to you gotta take it easy when you're sick. But yeah, Gamer Radio continues. Now, it's been a long time, but the JB Hawker Truth comes in with a thousand sets. Yes. I, you know what? I miss the Hawker Truth. It's been way too long. Here he comes. Watch out. Watch your head. Following up on regarding GPS tracking of cars, our new Toyota has GPS tracking. It's opt-in, but it enables Toyota to market us a better price for insurance. The GPS data provides the uh, data on low-risk driving, which I assume they are. He says you can't get this low-level, low-risk insurance without that kind of data. Keep up the good show. Fan since the mid-2000s. Well, okay, Hawk, is that true or is that just what they tell you, right? Because... Couldn't they look at your record? Say you're a customer and you've never filed an accident claim, just as an example. Couldn't they also just, by that, determine that you're a low-risk driver and not require a device that is connected to your ODB2 port with tracking GPS? And as somebody who uh, uses the ODB2 port for what it is, which is diagnostics, I can tell you that it knows everything about what you're doing. It knows the position of your accelerator. It knows how hard you're braking. It knows how much gas you have. It knows the fuel consumption you're using. It's way beyond just your GPS and speed. Everything the car computer knows, which is an unbelievable, remarkable amount of data. Your dash may only have a few lights and uh, uh, you know a few dials, but the car knows thousands of things. Any car since 2006 knows these things. And so if they want that ODB2 adapter does indeed have access to all of that. It's not permissioned. It's all on the CAN bus. Anything that's connected to the CAN bus can read that data in plain text. So um, that's one of the reasons I don't like them is besides the fact that I speed and besides the fact that I don't like being tracked, I don't like the idea that they could, in theory, be taking all kinds of information about my car, which, uh, you know, insurance companies love to have reasons not to cover you. And I don't want to be the one to just give them to hand them a reason. But I do understand it means paying less. And I do hate paying a lot for insurance. So I get you on that point. I don't know. Would you put, would you do this? Have you done this? What are these little, you know, you put it on your ODB2 port in your car. No. And then your insurance company gives you a discount. No, I haven't done this. I probably wouldn't. I, you know, I'm, I, I, I find it surprisingly popular. I bet there's, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too sure of it, but I bet there's some other listeners out there that do that too. Takoff came in uh, with a boost that's below the uh, cutoff line, but it was a it was a cool idea. So I wanted to get it in here. So Takoff seven five seven five one comes in, and uh, he's in the UK, and he's gonna switch over to IT. He's uh, over thirty years old, and he's a passionate self hoster. He says um, that he wanted to recommend Code Monkeys that uh, those that consider themselves DevOps or sysadmins they spend a little time using something called TryHack M which uh, is essentially a system that allows you to learn basic skills, uh, mindfulness and mindsets working in these areas, working like as a developer of DevOps. Um, and he says there's also a game component as well. 
It's called King of the Hill, which is great, called King of the Hill, where the goal is to root a lab VM and write a username in slash root slash king dot text and then prevent others from changing it. Sort of like a capture the flag thing until a certain time is up. It can be a fun team building exercise as well. I have the very same I have the very same suggestion to all self hosters and sysadmin and any SSH listeners out there as well. Try it out. Well, thank you. That is really cool. Um, so again, it's called Try Hack M. Also, Hack the Box it might be also something you can search for. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Try Hack Me though. Oh, oh, maybe it just got cut off. Oh, okay, okay. Ah, all right. Try Hack Me. That that does sound like a lot of fun. Trying to like own that file and then prevent others from getting in there. <laughs> <laughs> that's that makes me want to do that on the live stream. Actually, it could be fun with the uh, live stream. <laughs> Linux team, we'll have him do Wes's box, so don't worry. Linux Teamster comes in with five thousand sats, a boosting mainly because you played around the world, and that song hits. Keep it in the rotation. Love you all. Well, thank you, Teamster. Teamster has also been here nice and early on the live streams. We do the show Monday at nine a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, over at Jupiter.tube, and Teamster is often one of the first in the chat room, which we also have going. Coder.show/matrix goes all the time but it really pops when we're live or, or pops more i guess <laughs> it's, it's always going um and it's fun it's a good hangout just turn off the notifications if they're too much you know the other thing you can go in element and you can set it to only notify you for app mentions which can still sometimes be too much but it has thresholds thank you to our members i was uh doing the math over the weekend starting to look at like well if we don't if we don't sell any ads for the second half of the year like What's that going to look like? And uh, it's the difference is the shows that have members. We really appreciate it. CoderQA.co if you want to become a member. You get an ad-free version of the show as a thank you. And the Coderly Report when we record it. And we much appreciate it. CoderQA.co. Mr. Dominic, is there anywhere you want to send the good peeps before we get? Uh, go to Alice.dev for some AI automation goodness. And, uh, you know, if you happen to be in Manhattan, I'm informed that me and my buddy Donald are getting on a plane right now. So, uh <laughs> throw, throw some shekels in our commissary i thought you were going to be there trying to like you know save him you know preventing him from being able to leave i thought that was going to be your move but i guess you were busy doing the show so it didn't happen i thought ron DeSantis was going to step up to the plate it just yeah no huh. well he said he wasn't going to help but you know we needed you to go there and stop him obviously which is weird because he he doesn't have to do anything yeah this is please <laughs> I, I can't even imagine Darn, you're just doing the show yeah he's just gonna get fingerprinted and then this case is going to fall apart so this is going to be thankfully not probably a coda radio topic but it will be something to pop the popcorn for bring unfiltered back all i have to say is uh, but in the meantime that wraps it up for us thank you everybody for listening to this week's episode we got some important links special stuff around the restrict act and uh, those letters that were written about stopping ai the open source algorithm, all of that. Coder.show slash 512. That's right. It's episode 512. That's a nice number, isn't it? Thanks so much for joining us. And don't forget to watch us live because we do it naked. Okay, not really. But we robes. appreciate it anyways. Robes Thanks on. for joining us. Yeah, <laughs> I am wearing my robe, actually. Nice. I am. I'm rocking the robe right now. If you're watching live, you would know that. I'm just saying. All right, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. I just appreciate you. I just appreciate you. And for your listeners. Do whatever you want. It's a cool with us. All right. All right. Let's have a hug. <laughs>